Hey guys, I'm Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and I'm excited to be sharing with you this morning. Uh, the past couple of weeks, we have been teaching through one of our mantras, Sushi Not Fish 2, where we've just been focused on the goodness and the importance of simplicity in our lives. Today, we're going to turn the direction a little bit, and we're going to transition to talking about another one of our mantras a little bit, uh, which is practices, not performances. Now, practices, not performances means a lot of things, um, but one of the things that, that we focus on with practices is the importance of actually doing and practicing our faith together. Right? Because so many times we can get caught up in the learning that we don't really walk through the practicing. And if you're wanting to get good at, say, basketball, uh, it wouldn't be enough just to show up and get a good coach and listen to some good lessons and get some good trainings. It wouldn't mean a whole lot unless you actually get out on the court and practice uh, the things that you're learning, right? Well, the same thing goes with our faith and our spirituality is that uh, while it's good for us to come here together and it's good for us to be able to meet and to gather together and hear teaching from the scripture, uh, there's also something we believe that's really important about us actually taking that and practicing that and walking that out together. So today is the beginning, kicking off a three-week focus on the practice of prayer for us that we'll get into a little more in just a little bit. Uh, but to kind of intro that just briefly here, uh, I want to walk through a little bit of my journey and my story with regard to prayer. Uh, and my journey with regard to prayer, really there's three waypoints that kind of stand out to me. The first uh, waypoint uh, in my journey with prayer is just the idea, the role of being a father. Uh, I have three amazing a feisty uh, daughters, a 12-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 5-year-old. I love them so much. And I remember when we first found out we were pregnant, uh, one of the things I knew for sure was that I wanted my daughters both to be loved and to be able to feel and know that they're loved. And two, I wanted that to always be connected to them. I wanted to feel connected in relationship that they would always know that their dad is for them and connected to them. Which is why I feel like I got a little bit of an uh, unfair deal when they came into this world and immediately they were attached and bonded to their mom. Because my wife, Robin, who's absolutely amazing, so she got to carry them for nine months and then she got to nurse them for like a year or more, which I feel is these really nurturing, bonding things that I just feel ill-equipped to be able to compete with, right? So right from the beginning, they loved their mom and they loved the nurture that was there and I was kind of this distant, disconnected figure for them until one day, everything switched. One, thing, one day when the children finally got old enough that I was finally in my wheelhouse that I could do the things that I feel like I bring to the table, which is I can think of fun stuff to do. So I remember when they got old enough that finally they got to see oh, dad's the fun one, and we can hang out with dad, and we can do all sorts of things. And finally, now that they're getting older, they wanted the things that I had to offer. And we got to this place where we were really connected, and I loved it. But beyond that, I feel like not only was I fun, but I was good at ideas. I was good at uh, kind of guiding them into the right path, the good, the healthy, uh, fun path for them. So if they wanted to know the next good thing to do, dad could be there, and dad could have those ideas. And that really worked well for us. Uh, we stayed really connected and worked well for a long time. And then adolescence and everything falls apart. I remember not too long ago, I don't actually remember which daughter it was, 
that she was having a conversation with me and she was giving this really passionate plea for whatever it was that she wanted to do at that moment and giving all the reasons why she thought that this thing was going to be the next good, big, important thing for her. And as I sat there and listened to her for a while, I just responded with this calm simplicity of objectively telling her why her idea was not a good one and why it was horrible and why it wasn't going to do any of the fun things, uh, produce any of the good things that she thought that it was going to do for her. I thought that that was good. It obviously didn't go over very well. And it was at that point she looks at me and she looks at her mom and she says, see, this is why we just don't tell dad things. She didn't say, this is why we can't tell dad things. She said, this is why we don't tell dad things. <laughs> Meaning that there has been things in life that she has felt or thought that she has chosen to keep away from me and not share with me. Well, this was just world-rocking to me. This idea that there was something about the environment I was creating in our relationship that led my children to hide parts of themselves from me, to not feel like they could bring themselves to the table, because I knew what they meant. I knew what that meant. If they were holding parts of themselves away, it meant distance, it meant separation, it meant lack of connection. And it was in those understandings and those conversations that it began to become clear to me that more than my daughters becoming the, the perfect people I wanted them to be or making the exact right decisions at every point in time, more than that, I wanted them to know and feel loved, and I wanted them to be connected to me. And I knew that it was going to take change in me, that at some point I was going to need to be able to listen and hear lots of things that may even be extremely painful things that I don't want to listen to and I don't want to hear if they're going to feel like they can continue to share and connect with me. For me to have that relationship, it was going to mean allowing them to say things that maybe I didn't want them to say. That's waypoint one. Waypoint two for me in thinking about prayer was my childhood understanding of prayer. So I grew up uh, in church. My dad was a pastor. I've kind of talked through that some. Uh, and prayer for us as a child was that you were, one, you were acknowledging how awesome God was uh, and how great and how grand and everything. Two is you were thanking him for how awesome and how great and grand God was. And then three, you were asking him for the things that you wanted from God. Right? So that was kind of the basis of what talking to God was, what prayer was, is having these conversations to tell God how great he is, thank him for that, and then ask him for what you want. And how you evaluated prayer in this situation was based on what the results of that was. You know, did, by the time you got around to asking for what you wanted, were you getting what you were asking for or not? Right? And I was told that sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says not yet, and so maybe you can wait longer to get what you want from God, what you're asking for from God. But it was all this kind of transactional relationship of you talk to God to get something from God. And then I began to understand this concept of God's will, right? When we read that in the Lord's Prayer, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it was this understanding that not only did I want things, but maybe God wanted some things, and maybe God wanted some things to happen on this earth and in this world, and the best thing I could do was if I 
aligned my prayer requests with the things God wanted, if I made the things I want the same things as God wanted, then there is more likelihood of getting that, those things, right? The odds went up. If, you, if my children ask me to eat vegetables, I'm going to say yes because it's something I also want for them, right? So the more you ask according to the things that the other one already wants from you, then you get those things. And so over time, I started to pray. Whatever I was praying, it was like, you know, God, please help this person get better, you know, if it's, if it's according to your will. Or God, you know, please help me to, to stu- study for this test if it's according to your will. And I started moving into this, qualifying everything that came out of my mouth of saying like, but only if you want it, God, only if you want it, which I'm not disparaging. I think there was some goodness behind my intentions in that. But over time, I began to think about this and realize Like, hey, if there is God out there, which I believe there was, and God is all good, and God is all powerful, then why am I asking for anything except the things that God would want if God is truly all good, right? So over time, my God, if you want this, uh, or here's what I think, but, you know, your will be done became, God, just your will be done. Whatever would come up, the only response I had was, you know, God, do what you think is best. To where over time, I literally had no opinions of my own coming out of me. It was just this, God, you do your thing. And whatever the opinions I did have in me, whatever fear or frustration or anger or concern or negativity or whatever it was I was going through, well, that's just not something that you can talk to God about. Right? Let's talk to God about God's will, the thing that God wants, because that's the thing that the world needs. And what I'm going through doesn't really matter much in this. Well, this prayer became eventually just your will be done, and then eventually I just stopped praying altogether. Because at this point, if it's only about God's will being done, what's the point of me saying that when he already wants to do that anyway, if that's the way things really work? And so I found myself... Uh, in my 30s as a pastor of a church who didn't pray anymore because I didn't really see the point in it, which obviously also led to this very disconnected state between me and this God that I was hoping to follow and to walk with. Waypoint three. Uh, This pattern in my life kind of continued until I went back to grad school. Uh, And as I went back to grad school, I became confronted again with the Psalms. Uh, Now, I'd always kind of known about the Psalms. The Psalms, there's a book in the Bible called the Psalms, and they are uh, these songs and these prayers that were written by individuals uh, or groups of people. But either way, they they were used to be prayers and songs throughout the church, throughout all of history. And I was really familiar with the Psalms, but I found out as I went back and started diving into them that I wasn't familiar with all of them. So I was familiar with the songs of praise, the ones that told God how great he was, and the songs of thanksgiving that thank God for all his goodness. I was familiar with the psalms that show up on wall decals in your house or show up on the greeting cards that you buy in the stores. Those are the psalms I was familiar with. But there was a whole other category of psalms that I really had no familiarity with that I've come to know as the naughty psalms. It's the Psalms that say things that you read them and you're like, I can't believe they just said that, let alone have prayed these things throughout the centuries. There's Psalms known as Psalms of lament and Psalms of imprecation, which actually make up the largest category of all the Psalms fit into these categories of lament and imprecation. 
which lament are these psalms that are people expressing their frustrations, their sadness, their anger, their pain. They're expressing these things before God. And they're expressing their frustrations with their enemies. The psalms of imprecation are actually these psalms where people call on like the wrath of God towards their enemies, right? In Psalm 137, the psalmist who's writing actually says, God, my enemies need so much uh, justice, so much retribution. God, I hope somebody steals their infants and smashes them against the rocks, right? You read that and you're like, what is going on here? Like, Like, what is this? People are writing these things down in the Bible. Right? So these psalms of lament and these psalms of imprecation. But it doesn't just stop with people expressing their frustration. It actually goes into people actually expressing their anger with God himself. With God's self. Psalm 13 becomes a great example of this. And I just want to read through it. And as we read through it, let's ask ourselves, is this the kind of communication that we're used to as we try to walk with God? It says this, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. As I read this, I realized when I started reading these, these were not something I had a category for in my life. This was not something that I had an experience of. It did not reflect the kind of conversations that I had with God. But I did recognize the language of connection that's going on here. This is the type of relationship that I hope that my children are able to have with me as someone who cares about them, as someone who loves them, that they would be able to share with me the things that they're feeling, even the things that would be painful for me to hear, even the things that may not be entirely correct in their perception about me, that they would feel comfortable letting me in to those parts of their lives. The things I appreciate about these psalms of lament is one, that there's honesty. As the people are writing them and as the congregations through the years are reading them together, there is this honesty about our true experience. We're not, uh, we're not uh, lying or sugarcoating or anything, but we are telling it how it is. We are communicating with God how we are feeling. And there's something really relieving in that. I also appreciate the transparency Because we can be honest with God and not be transparent if we're only honest about the certain types of things we want to bring to the table, right? Transparency is something that says, I'm not going to hold parts of my life or my feeling or my experience back from you. I'm going to let you into everything, the good, the bad, the frustrating, the embarrassing, the ways that I'm saying things that I know I'm going to regret later. I'm going to let you into the middle of that. There's something refreshing about these laments and these psalms of imprecation and their honesty and their transparency. And in my story, I began to let these things soak into me. I began to pray along with these things and pray my own times. And over time, what I found was as I was able to be honest and transparent with God, I began to find connection with a God who is known as Emmanuel, 
God with us. You see, the whole story of the God that we follow is a God who is willing to take on the burdens of human form to come and be near to us, to be close to us and walk with us. And when we're honest with him and let him into the midst of that, we get to experience the realities of God with us, who is close to us. And in that, we can begin to experience connection with God. One other thing I want to talk about here is that it's not just about connection with God. Because the beautiful things about it is these psalms began to be read, again, by congregations throughout the centuries. And you may show up to a church on Sunday, maybe this church on Sunday, and there might be a psalm of lament on the board. And you might be reading that, and you might be having a great week, and you might be feeling none of it. But as we read these things, we become aware of the human condition, of the human experience, of knowing that these things have become important to humanity through the years because they are frequently felt by us. They are things that we frequently connect with. And so if you're coming and you're reading the Psalm of Lament and you're not feeling it, maybe it allows us to be aware of an empathetic connection we can have to somebody else who might be feeling exactly that right there at that moment. This honesty and transparency connects us to God and it connects us to others in beautiful ways. So this is what we're doing moving forward. We're entering this three-week practice together centered around prayer. And the question is, what does it look like for us to develop the prayers of our people, to develop the honest, authentic, transparent prayers of the people of South Bend City Church? What does it look like? What will it mean for us in the way we understand ourselves and the way we connect with God? And what will it mean for us in the ways that we connect with others? To take us into the next step of that, I'm going to bring Jay back, who's going to lead us forward. Thank you, Ryan. Um, so not only are we uh, going to sort of get our hands on the practice of prayer, uh, but we have some people who've created a pathway for us, uh, who have built some tools for our community to kind of get our hands on that. I'm super grateful for that. Um, I know some in this community find prayer to be like a total non-starter. Um, maybe because you're not sure what you believe about it. Uh, maybe because it feels elusive. Maybe you've had seasons in the past where it was a really big thing for you, but that's just sort of faded away. Um, but this is maybe a chance for a fresh start uh, to try it from a different angle. And you'll learn more about that in a minute. Um, but I also want to introduce some people to you who are creating this pathway for us. Uh, we have tried an experiment this summer. Uh, we like to try things as a community. The experiment for us this summer was to create a ministry residency opportunity for a couple of people to jump in, be a part of the team, and help us become a better church in this season with some fresh ideas, fresh perspectives. So we have two people who are doing that ministry residency, and I want to bring them up, and we're going to talk with them a little bit about where we're going in the next few weeks. So will you please welcome Haley Smith and Spencer French. I know these won't be completely new faces to you guys if you've been around here for a little bit, but in this context, this is kind of new. Uh, so we thought, what if we first got to know these guys just a little bit? Uh, Haley, I'm going to start with you. Will you tell us a little bit um, about, first of all, like what you're doing when you're not doing a ministry residency for South Bend City Church? Um, so I am actually a high school English teacher. Um, Give it up for the teachers. Yeah. Okay, we're all probably enjoying right now, especially. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I used to teach out in Shipshawana because I used to live out in Goshen. Just heading out this way now, and I'll be at John Adams, actually, so I'm very excited. John Adams, yeah, excellent, right on. Uh, and tell us a little bit about your connection to South Bend City. How did you find your way to this church? Um, so I first started coming when we were still doing the experimental gatherings. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when Pete Rollins was in, that was actually my first uh, experience with South Bend City Church in general. I was kind of like, oh, like yeah. if this is if this is what we're into, like I'm into this. <laughs> Little context. So this is way back before we started doing Sundays and Thursday nights and all of that. We had a couple of one-off events at the Brick when we were just just beginning to become a community together. Pete Rollins is a a provocative Irish philosopher who we brought in to talk about doubt and faith in a very interesting way. So that was like your first step into this. Yeah, Excellent. yeah. So I uh, kind of did that. Um, kind of came sporadically off and on. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say I've been, how long have we been in this building? It'll be two years right about now. Anybody? I'm looking for somebody in my team who knows better than I. Amanda, does that sound right? Two, thanks, Jamie. Jamie's got it. Yeah, we moved in two years ago in the summer. There it yeah, is. Yeah, so maybe like a, a year and three quarters yeah. have been officially here. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Spencer, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Uh, like, what season of life are you in? Where are you, what's been behind you and what's in front of you? Yeah, so I, uh, I just finished my undergraduate at a college in the area. Mm -hmm. And I'm going off to graduate school after this, so I'm kind of in between that phase. Yeah, what kind of things do you study? Uh, so I study... Uh, uh, philosophy and theology, biblical studies, Christian practice, and poetry. Yeah, and poetry. And you create. You don't just study these things. Yeah, so I, in my spare time, one of my biggest focuses has just been the intersection uh, between theology and then bringing that theology into the common sphere through the means of poetry and other kinds of writing. Yeah, awesome. And so you finished undergrad, but you've got more school ahead? Yeah, I do. I'm going to... Uh, uh, divinity School after this to continue to study theology and poetry and other things uh, in the next season. Awesome. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about your connection to SBCC. How did you first find your way here? Yeah, yeah. So I, I was going to a different church in the area, and all of my friends who were musicians and who wore, you know, tight black pants like I did started <laughs> go talking about this mythical other place. Uh -huh. And I was like, all right, like, good coffee. Okay, I'll, I'll, let's try it. And so okay. uh, when you guys were started meeting in the Doubletree, I started coming mm -hmm. and uh, fell in love with the community. Mm. Really did, felt, felt safe. It felt new, it felt scary. There were some things you talking about that I wasn't, didn't know where I stood at the mm -hmm. point, but mm -hmm. I just walked in and felt safe. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is a place where I want to be. And I've been here ever since, accounting for also semester abroad and other things. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, so these two jumped into a ministry residency, and our charge to them was something like, help us pray as a community, uh, maybe help us sort of have a path to work with um, as we try to uh, experience that kind of connection with God that Ryan was describing when he was teaching a minute ago. And you guys have done that, both in a practice that will happen outside the gatherings and in some gatherings that you're helping us shape after we get through this little break where we don't have gatherings, right? So uh, I'm going to start with you, Haley. Tell us a little bit about the, the theme that you guys have moved toward as you take us into some prayer practices. Yeah, so um, I guess serendipitously was kind of the word of the summer for us. Um, so Spencer and I both kind of on our own had had some conversations just like with our friends who are still a part of this church um, and kind of came to this realization um, on our own that just like this idea of embodiment, which we'll unpack a little bit later, um, is really something that 
uh, like on its face, the two of us were really passionate about, but also it was this underlying theme in all these conversations that we were having mm-hmm. kind of on our own outside of the church. But we also realized as we were talking more and more that a lot of the things that this community is really passionate about mm-hmm. um, are kind of under that umbrella of embodiment or some like mm-hmm. issues that sprout out of mm-hmm. um, when we don't fully honor embodiment or when we don't ourselves feel fully embodied. Um, Mm -hmm. So we thought that this was kind of like, um, yeah, this is kind of like really digging down deep into Mm -hmm. what what a lot of the things that we're already talking about kind Mm -hmm. of sprout out from. Mm -hmm. So we we might be talking about justice issues, we might be talking about people who don't have a home right now, maybe members of our community, we might be talking about uh, disability or all, all these different issues things that we feel like Jesus is calling us to move toward, but you're saying underneath all of those, there's this common thread. Yeah? Yeah. Spencer, can you say a little more about like embodiment? What's the word mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so embodiment just is talking about the flesh and blood, the thing that, that you are right now, that you walk with, that you mm-hmm. bring into this space and, and you function with. It's not only you. There's other aspects, of course, but it's an essential aspect of you. And uh, just kind of building off what Haley said, I don't know if you guys remember, I'm sure you do, just a few months ago when we did the, the sermon teaching on, on wandering mm-hmm. and how it just resonated. Like there was just a thing, I, I couldn't really put it into words, but mm-hmm. there was this thing that everyone in the room kind of just felt. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, this needed to be said and I didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about embodiment and thinking on our own and, and we started reaching out to other members of the community just asking about this idea that was kind of growing and welling within us. And wow, like... I don't know if I've ever been in a church that actually talked about mm-hmm, my body mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a way that was constructive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and so embodiment, just in, in a general theme, is just talking about the role of the created self that we've been given. Mm-hmm. If everyone is an icon, mm-hmm. if we are truly made in the image of God, male and female, mm-hmm. that means that this thing is good. Mm. God looked at us and said it's good, but I've never been in a context where it's been mm. openly said so. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the, the ideological and emotional grounding of that mm-hmm. idea. It's crazy, right? Because like for, for a faith that says that God actually lived God's life in a body named Jesus, you would hope that like our tradition would be a place where you could hear the body honored, celebrated, called out. But yeah, I think a lot of us have probably heard maybe very little about her, or maybe what we've heard about the body has been more negative than positive, and this is a chance to maybe reapproach some of that stuff, right? Yeah, so you guys have created um, a sort of a path of practice for us, some meditations, and these are actually for the week ahead of us right now, right? Uh, like starting tomorrow, you'll have a chance to take advantage of what these two have created for us with some things to meditate on and some little practices that can be part of our daily effort while we're moving through the break without gatherings here, right? Tell us a little bit, uh, here, let's go back to you. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect when we get this document. Yeah, so um, both of us are readers and writers by trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it shows, by the way. These are really beautiful, really beautiful. Um, so a lot of it comes from, um, it'll start with uh, a number of passages to read. It's, it's not a ton of reading, as mm-hmm. it is the summer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so there are passages of, in most cases, scripture, but also some sort of commentary on this idea of embodiment. Um, sort of, um, in, in a lot of ways, the, the scriptural part is sort of this like poetic image-driven mm-hmm. section of it, and then we get a little bit more of a prosaic sort of um, like analysis of what's being mm-hmm. read. Um, in most cases in like pretty like, plain terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of gives you something to chew on for a minute. Um, and then mm-hmm. there are a set of a few 
um, like thought-provoking questions. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's something that like you want to journal about, um, or maybe if you do these with your family or with a partner or something along those lines, maybe those are really good discussion questions. Yeah. Um, and then the last part is the one that uh, it might be a little bit of a stretch for some of us. I know it's going to be a stretch for me as well. Um, that's the actual embodied part of it, where uh, it, it, it's less thinky uh, mm -hmm. and much more doing-driven, mm -hmm. where um, you're going to be given some sort of invitation to physically do something. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of the important part of it, is that um, we don't want to like over-spiritualize these things and just talk about our bodies as like these vehicles for doing all the other important things. Um, or just like something you kind of sit in for a while, but just uh, like understanding that the physical body is important. Mm -hmm. uh, so that last section is where you're actually going to do something mm -hmm. with the physical body. Yeah. Nothing too terribly difficult. It's not like burpees or push-ups or anything no, like that. There's no CrossFit whatsoever in this document. We edited it for CrossFit. Uh, what do you think? I mean, 10 minutes could go longer, but like it doesn't take an hour of your day, right, to, to really take this seriously, right? Yeah. yeah. What I love about that too is um, I keep finding people who maybe want to believe that like your everyday life is actually the venue for God's activity in your world, right? But then we, church just keeps becoming this place where we act as if all the action is up here or it's on Sunday. And we really mean it when we say we think every day of your life is a venue for the life of God. And one of the ways that we take that seriously is through intentional practice, right? So this isn't to prove anything. It's not to show how spiritual you are. You don't have to check this off the list so that you can be a better member of our community. There's no judgment being withheld or given based on whether you do this or not. It's none of those things. It's just meant to be a gift that calls you a little further into an experience of God's presence in your life that your body's a part of. Is that fair? Yeah. That's good. What do you guys hope will happen in our community? Spencer, what do you think? So, you know, just building off what you just said and the communal aspect about this, I don't know if you guys had the same experience, but when you, Jay, or when Ryan or someone would ask us to do a community practice, mm -hmm. so here's a little candle and, and say this prayer together. We're going to, this week we're going to be saying this together. Mm -hmm. There was something in me that was really moved mm -hmm. by the fact that I knew that other members of my community were doing the same thing alongside me. Oh, you know, yeah. But often that was one thing, one small thing, like mm -hmm. for five minutes on a day or two this week, do this thing. Yep. And it was really moving that, yeah. that I'm doing this alongside my brothers and sisters at this church. Yep. Um, and then, you know, spawning from that, there's this desire, you know, we're having this week off, this, we're going to mix things up a little bit and give people a time for rest. Um, and we wanted to do something together. Mm -hmm. And so this is not as much like, a, okay, make sure you do this because, you know, when we come back in two weeks, there's going to be an right. open floor and you've got to make sure, you know. It's yeah. one of those things like, hey, we actually want to create a space mm -hmm. for us to, as a community, live our spiritual practices together. Yeah. It really, which I think is really powerful. Like, I, when I do these things, I'm doing these alongside all of you. And all of these ideas that we're getting came from this community. Mm -hmm. All, these started with conversations with very people from this community. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about this being prayers of the people, like really being ourselves coming before God and before each other, mm -hmm. like all of this has been rooted deeply in our community. Yeah. And, and, and an expectation then is that you, you feel more integrated. Mm -hmm. Not some big, you know, lofty idea, like I hope that every single thing in you gets healed. No, not at all. But I hope... We, we hope, I think I can speak for you, I, we hope that, that you feel more integrated not only in your own body, mm -hmm. but in our community mm -hmm. and before God and understanding that these things are all integral to our spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. Haley, anything you want to add to that? What do you hope for as you were creating this? 
Yeah. Um, we, we talked about how most of this, um, like kind of our heart behind this is that so many of the issues that we talk about uh, in this room, ableism, sexism, racism, um, all those things come out of embodiment gone wrong. Um, and I think in a lot of circles, it's like, a, it's seen as kind of like an audacious thing to be okay in your own body and be kind of like confident and affirmed in that. Um, and I, I think that even if we're all not, again, maybe we don't find full healing and all of that, but I hope that um, we at least find a little bit of that. Um, I know like I hope for myself, even just like that little bit of, um, yeah, uh, sort of finding like a like a positive environment yeah. and all of that, Love or at least like a little like momentum in the right direction. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, okay, so here's what's gonna happen. Uh, later today, you'll see that um, we've got this document. It'll be made digitally available, so you can find it on our church website. You can find it on our church Facebook later uh, today. And then you can also find it in the email newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the email newsletter, that's a really good idea. It's on the website. You can sign up for that. So this will sort of go out there digitally. And then you can see it on your computer screen or you can print it out for yourself. Uh, and what you'll find when you do that is there is a sort of intro page that just sort of frames the whole experience. And then you'll just see these really helpful daily opportunities with a bit of a meditation and some questions and a practice. If you don't have a printer or it'll be hard for you to find it digitally, we do have hard copies printed here today and they'll be available on the tables when you walk out after the gathering in case you want to take one home right now. And, uh, and then it's not just this week, though, right? We're going to come back together two weeks from today and the Thursday prior, back to our gatherings, and that'll continue this. Anything you want to say about what to expect when we get back together in two weeks? Mm, expect the unexpected. Say it louder. Um, I'm mumbling. <laughs> um, so those practices, um, we're going to touch on a lot, the, the same ideas. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see some more of these sort of embodied practices and also a little bit of teaching um, but as we've done kind of throughout the summer, still trying to bring in um, like different readings and poetry and all kind of uh, a little bit of a, yeah, like a different take on this, this scene. Love it. Yeah. And so if this is a communal thing, it's, if this is prayer of the people, mm -hmm. we want to give everyone the opportunity to, to form and experience these things for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so guide this experience a little bit. But there's a lot of latitude to see what do you think about this? What is your experience? Yeah. And the goal is to then come together and convene yeah. and, and continue to do that together. Yep. You know, and so this theme, which is rooted in our community and rooted in, our, in Christian belief, mm -hmm. we're gonna give space for everyone to, to participate and to form and to think through these things for yourself and then come together mm -hmm. and experience it together. Love it. What do you guys think? Yeah, up for it? Excellent. Okay, that was tepid, but we can do better in the next one. You guys say thank you to Spencer and Haley. Come on. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, I remember uh, our, some of our staff team was on a retreat uh, a couple of years ago, and part of that retreat practice was to pray the Lord's Prayer with our bodies. It was simple. Actually, we've done that here in our gathering here when we brought uh, a friend to lead us. It was, it was simple, but it was to use our bodies in that prayer. And I remember uh, there was a person in that circle with others on the retreat who like, started weeping in the prayer. And uh, it was specifically just the connection between body and, and spirit and mind that kind of unlocked something that had been kind of tied up in his heart um, that I think had been wanting to come out, but it was through the use of the body, which is this beautiful thing that God has given us, right? All kinds of bodies, big bodies, little bodies, bodies that work the way we want them to and bodies that don't. 
God loves all of them, and this is the space that God has given us to know God in, right? So I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, really grateful to Haley and Spencer for leading us through this, and really excited about what comes around the corner. Uh, by the way, this ministry residency thing, like I said, this is kind of an experiment for us. So we tried it with these two. They're knocking it out of the park, and we might do it again. Who knows? It might take a different shape or be applied in a different way. But if you're curious about um, maybe bringing some of your energy, your passion to the life of this community and working together for a season in something like a residency, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Matt at southbendcitychurch.com. Matt's our executive pastor, and I know that he's excited to find out if others might be curious about something similar. And uh, we'll get to the embodied prayer in the week ahead. Uh, if you're able, will you stand to your feet? And as a benediction, uh, may I say, may you know the God who is intimately, deeply involved in your life. May you discover modes of prayer that perhaps were never given to you before. And in those prayers, may you know that God is with you and God loves you. May you know that your body is a gift to yourself and the world. May you sense God's delight in who you are, flesh and blood. May we pray well together. May we move toward God together. May we follow Jesus, not just in mind and spirit and heart, but in flesh. And may grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you guys. See you in two weeks. Two weeks.